welcome to Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. So today we have a special guest host for our first anniversary episode. Katie, can you believe that we're already a year in to Barnyard Language? It seems like so much longer, Arlene, but also <laughs> no time at all. So kind of kind of like kids, right? When you say, I can't believe how fast they're growing. And yet yeah. the days themselves are the days are long, but the years are short. Yeah. Is, yep. is that that's also true in podcasting, is it? Okay. Yep. I think so. Yeah. So for our first anniversary episode, we have a special guest who's also a former guest. We brought her back. So Wendy Johnson from Joya Food Farm is back on the podcast and she's going to interview us for a change. But before we turn things back over to Wendy, could you remind us and our listeners, what are you growing? So we are a direct-to-market, a direct-to-consumer farm. We, we grow and raise lots of different things, but organic grains, pastures, and the sheep, lamb, beef, chickens, ducks, chickens for meat and eggs, ducks for meat and eggs, and pigs. And we do a, ton, a lot of small grains, oats, rye. We're trying some kernza this year, done some millet and uh, organic corn, soybeans, and I really enjoy grazing. We do some custom grazing here as well. That's a lot of different things. And you're also growing one farm kid, right? Remind us how old she is. One farm kid, thank you, yep. Thanks for reminding me, I sometimes forget about that one. <laughs> She's around. I shouldn't laugh, but uh, <laughs> I've, I've forgotten to pick her up from school before things like that, that happens once in a while. It, yeah, it definitely does. You've got a lot of other things on your plate. So for this episode, we <laughs> asked for input from our listeners on our social media accounts. And so Wendy will actually be asking us some of the questions that we got from all of you. So Wendy, you're up. So I am so happy to be, have been asked to ask the questions to these wonderful women here. And so these are some great questions that we're gonna be asking, asking them today. So the first one is for me, who is not a farmer, and these are the words of people who have put in questions. So it's not me as a me, but people who have brought in questions. So for me, who is not a farmer in any sense of the word, could you clarify any specialized verbiage you remember using? What is silage? I'm sure I can Google it, but I don't, I also don't recall others. So I'm looking at this question and realizing that probably in lots of our episodes, we have words that people don't necessarily know, but they're just so common to us as farmers that we don't even think about clarifying. So silage or corn silage in our context on a dairy farm is a fermented 
corn product basically that cows eat so you chop up the stalks and the cobs and everything and it all gets mixed up together and then it gets either put in a silo or a plastic bag where the air is removed or reduced so that that product ferments kind of like a pickle for cows so that's corn silage and then people also make baleage which is a similar product which is that's where you cut I mean, hay. that's what we were making last week when we wrapped bales it's yeah same, yeah so same, same, same with us yeah same with us we we do make hay so either in bales or chopped fresh and then same thing you can put it in a silo or wrap it in plastic and then it ferments but maybe this is a good reminder to us that when we're doing heavy farming episodes that we uh, clarify some of our words because even when we have different people from different commodities, we don't always understand the words that they're talking about, depending on what their crop or specific livestock is. So thank you for listening, for reminding us that we should ask for definitions or provide them sometimes. Did you have anything to add, Katie, to that? Not really, but I did see, I went to Honduras a number of years ago and saw down there, they're encouraging folks to make corn silage, or I guess it's probably not corn silage, to ensile vegetative matter in 50 gallon plastic drums and they pack it down and then seal it with mud. So it does the same thing, but I thought it was cool to see it on such a different scale than what we normally see it here. I guess it's like a 50 gallon silo instead of a big tall thing. So. Yeah. Like a big crock. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a sauerkraut crock. I tend to call it kraut for cows. So, you know, I find the word ensile an interesting one you know you have the words silage and silo and the verb ensile which i have not used in many many years i think it's a kind of a cool word how come we don't use it for like we we use fermentation for food but and siling for livestock feed i don't know how i feel about saying that i'm going to go home and ensile some pickles (laughs) (laughs) i go ensile some pickles Oh, all right. So next question. What surprised you the most, good or bad, from the podcast this year? I'm going to say mine is really good. And what has surprised me in the best way is how easily connected I have felt, and I'm sure Katie has felt the same way with each person that we have interviewed through the course of the year. I mean, most of them, some of them we have met before, but a lot of them are strangers. And yet all of our interviews have felt really authentic and genuine and people have really opened up to us and to our listeners in ways that I didn't, I didn't necessarily expect. And I, I do feel like, you know, if I was to go to any of their provinces or states and you know send them a message and say I was going to be nearby that I could stop in at their farms or we could meet up for coffee or that that we really have formed genuine connections with people this year and I know that for Katie and I that was one of our main goals was to really create community within parents and within agriculture so that's been that's been the best kind of surprise. So that's a fair warning to anyone we've dealt with that if we come near you we're going to show up at your house. So just a heads up on that. We will give Um, you a bit of notice. I might give you more notice than Katie. Probably. I think for myself, 
the worst part is realizing how disorganized I am. Arlene is totally the brains behind this operation and also the beauty. So I, I told Jim this morning that I'm pretty sure I'm just the brawn of this show for whatever that counts for. For me, I think the best part has been realizing how universal so many things are that especially, you know, as a, as a farm parent, things can feel so isolating and to have the opportunity to reach out and realize how common and universal so many of these things for better or worse are has been really good and to hear the the connection that we're making with folks and to feel like we're building that community has been really nice those are beautiful answers and i forgot to mention before our sadie both happy anniversary this is a really exciting episode so i guess in general a question that i have for you is how do you feel after you know a year of being in the podcast, how, and the creation of it from this, from the very first podcast to this, to now, how, how do you feel it's grown or expanded or expanded your mind or in all the followers that you have? I know I feel like when we started out, I didn't know what kind of a response we would get or, you know, how hard it might be to to do things like get guests or, you know, you know, basically convince people to talk to us and what might come out of that. And this is kind of links back to that surprise part, but also, you know, I, I am proud of the, the range of people who have agreed to talk to us and the, what we've been able to, to put out. And I feel like we've, it's only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the, the kinds of topics that we want to cover, but I feel like we have really shown what types of of issues are, are relevant to farm parents and i hope that we can I'm, I'm proud of what we've done so far so i hope that we can just continue along the same lines as what we've already been doing for yeah. myself i'm really enjoying how much easier it's gotten since i feel more comfortable just chatting with our guests rather than like feeling like it has to be super structured and you know like we're not on NPR nobody's paying us to do this like we can chill a little bit about some of how professional it sounds in favor of connecting with people and I've really been enjoying that and if anybody really has a problem with our sound quality I hope you actually let us know you know because I don't want to be like I'm fine with making a terrible product but there's a lot of folks in the the podcasting arena who get awfully wrapped up in technical aspects and then don't put any of that energy into the content and i would rather put more of our more of our heart and soul into what we're making rather than how we're making it i guess and I think, I mean, we talk about it almost every time we're, we're on rural internet and so are most of our guests. So yeah, the, the sound quality is going to be as good as the infrastructure that we've got to work with. Exactly. I'm glad mine hasn't cut out yet. Knock on wood. All right. Next question. Thanks for answering that. What three agriculturally related skills would you tell a beginner to learn first? That's a good one. I feel like that is so commodity specific. I mean, depending, agriculture is so broad, like what, I guess it totally depends what your 
you're wanting to grow or raise. So I guess in general, and this one is one I don't even really have, I would say tractor driving skills is probably a pretty good basic one. And I have very little skills in that department. So I'm not saying that that's something that, that I know how to do well, but I think that's a good general one. This isn't specific to agriculture, but I think doing your research and asking questions and not being afraid to not know the answers is always a, a good skill. And number three, I guess based on this week's chicken losses at my place, maybe learning how to reinforce and make sure you provide good infrastructure and housing for whatever animals you have would probably be a good one too. And maybe I haven't been doing that very well either because yeah, we've lost a few chickens, but that happens too. Katie, what are your thoughts on that one? I was going to say my first one would be learn how to ask questions and ask for help because folks seem to get real stuck on that one. My second one would be learning how to read a soil map or learning how to know what kind of soil you have because pretty much anything you're going to grow is either going to grow in the soil or on the soil and uh, knowing what you're dealing with is a huge step there. And my third one would be learning how to kill stuff because when you're in the, the point of needing to be able to put down an animal that's suffering, needing to be able to deal with the predator problem, whatever, that's not the time to realize that you don't have a good way to achieve what needs to be done and or learning that you're not comfortable with it. And that is something you need to know about, or you need to stick with vegetables and so, which is a totally fine thing. But one of the things I was not prepared for as a livestock farmer is how often I would end up having to kill things, um, livestock predators, whatever. I mean, it's not like it's a common occurrence, but it's more than I anticipated. Yeah, I guess I hadn't thought about it that way, but it's definitely something you have to be prepared for, right? Yeah. Because and it's it's going to happen. It's really something you want to be comfortable with before you have to do it, because I've had to go to other people's farms and help them put animals down, which I'm happy to do because it needs to be done, but it would be a lot better if they were able to do it themselves. It's not something you want to have taking longer than is necessary. And also, I mean, to be honest, I don't pay the vet to come out and do it now because I can do it easier and faster for a lot less money. Oh, you know, pets are- must be matter, a good aim. Most of them are standing pretty still. So, you know, that helps. But oh. yeah, I, I think that's most of it. And this next question can I tell, is just for- Can I tell a quick story yes, about do it. something totally related to that? So when, when Johnny and I first moved to I, back to Iowa and we started farming, his dad gave him a shotgun and a some other kind of a revolver. Okay, so he's a city he's a city boy, so he's never actually shot a gun before. But his dad used to shoot, you know bird, do birding, like kill birds, pheasant hunt. Anyway, so. He gave him the, here, here, son, you're going to need these. You live on a farm. And so he never shot anything before. In our first year, we, we saw, we had a rabbit a raccoon. I, I, I don't know. It probably had distemper, but it was out during the day. It was kind of walking really drunk. You know, it, it needed to be put out of its misery. It was eventually going to really suffer and die. So neither of us have any experience with, with, with 
shooting anything. And so <laughs> he took out his, he took out his shotgun and he's like, oh yeah, I can, <laughs> I, can, I can do this, you know? And this poor raccoon, he was just, you know, just acting really funny and terrible. I mean, it just was really sick. And he just stood there for, for, for Johnny. Johnny pointed the shotgun at him. And it's almost like he had his hands up, like, kill me now, take me out of my suffering. And Johnny shot, shot the shotgun and he completely missed. And, and so Johnny tries again and, and shoots, totally misses, but it was just a terrible, like, I can't believe that we are doing this, but, and he was like, come on, I got gotta get this raccoon out of its suffering but it won't die and so with the third one finally he might have missed another one but it was like the third or fourth he finally got it took it out of its misery but it was just just kind of it was kind of funny but kind of sad and so it was an interesting experience for both of us we've now learned that a shotgun is not appropriate for a small raccoon in a barnyard and so we've upgraded but that was a good story. I mean, it was a yeah. funny story at the time. I wanted to mention two things. One, Arlene, you mentioned tractors earlier in your answer. Would you also say that driving a stick shift is probably a skill that a beginner should learn? I know that I, as I've taught some beginners here on our farm and interns, they don't have that skill. And a lot of our tractors have stick shifts. Yeah, that's an easier first step if you don't actually have a tractor yet yeah yeah i think too wendy i'm gonna add a fourth skill here is knowing when somebody's trying to fuck you over and being prepared to call them out on it especially uh, for women i think we can deal with a lot of people who know better than us and are going to help the little lady out and it's very good to have people you trust to give you good advice and it is very good to be able to tell anybody else to fuck right off because there in agriculture are, and in life, right, Katie? Entirely true. There's enough honest people out there to deal with that it's not worth wasting your time with the rest of them. So that's my... That's a good one. That's even hard for me yet to do. Yeah, it's definitely one that takes practice and yeah. is still hard even years into it. But I feel like maybe if we encourage more folks to do it from the start, you know, it'll help and one one other thing you you said katie one of your answers was that soil maps reading soil maps and learning what different soils can do what but in connection with that the kind of the soil food connection understanding you know the the soil and the nutritional qualities of the food that grows in that soil would be something i'd add on to your 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 skill that connection is really an important one to think about as you start a farm so all right a listener said this it's this kind of a story and a question in one so they would like to know quote currently expecting my fourth because i know arlene has four did it ever feel like you were playing with fire while expecting your fourth 
My third, I was nervous for throwing off the balance, but in this pregnancy, I'm constantly worried that I've tempted fate. I have three healthy kids and I just can't escape the feeling that something is going to be wrong with this baby or it's going to change our life so much, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. A fourth means that I need a new vehicle. It throws balance out, of, out again, crowds our bedrooms, makes farm safety a bigger concern with four kids, five and under. So maybe I'm just nervous about that. But I just can't escape the feeling of impending doom. I'm sure this applies to all with multiple children, but this time it's overwhelming. Am I alone in this feeling? Definitely not. You're not alone in that feeling. I will say I did not have four under five. So you are definitely in a different scenario than I am. My kids were more spread apart for sure. But we did have a bigger gap between our first three and and our last. And yeah, I guess I had a lot of those similar worries. You know, we had three that were a little bit closer together, but just didn't feel like our family was quite complete. So but that you know, the, the thought about and the discussions around having a fourth took us a little longer to, to come to that decision. So, I mean, I think every time you add a new person to your life, especially when it comes in the form of a newborn, I mean, it's going to change everything, right? So it, you know, it, it will throw off the balance and, and, you know, divide your time more. But I think like all kids, right, it also brings, you know, more love and all the the good things that come along with with having another person in your family. So I get the anxiety for sure, but I guess I don't have any advice necessarily other than to say that, yeah, you're not alone and I think it's probably going to be okay. And I guess you're, you're entering minivan territory. So welcome to the club. How about you, Katie? I don't have four. I only well, have two. Well, between one and two. Did you um, have some of those feelings? Yeah, between one and two. I yeah. think the biggest blessing for us from going from one to two is that it took four years for the first one and the kids are 16 months apart. So honestly, it was unexpected that they are that close. And so I didn't really have any time to think about it because I thought we were going to have a couple of years to worry about having a second one and we didn't so i think the best thing when you're adding more kids is to be entirely too busy to worry about any of it i strongly i'll stand behind that actually just and i mean if this person already has three under five then they're definitely busy i've been told by someone who's got i want to say six under 11 that once you have three, it really doesn't matter how many you have. And since she's also from a really big family, I trust that she's, you know, correct about that. That at some point it just doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you because you already have no extra time in your life. Yeah. So yeah. you're already driving a minivan. You're already doing a million loads of laundry. Like what's one more, you know? So there's that. Yeah, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that Katie too, is the, I think it's the three is that magic number. And then after three, it's just, what's another? And then what's another? And then what's another? Like in the last year, I've met families that had eight, and some had eight under the age of 11. And which I don't even know how that's possible. I guess it is possible. And then another family that, that has eight, and then another family has 10. 
And I think just after three, at least what they said, it's just easy. <laughs> so not I think easy. three is like a magic number. A <laughs> Let, let's not say, let's not say easy. <laughs> Wrong word, yeah. Not easy, but maybe easier, less, less stressful. I think yeah. less intimidating. I, I think you're in a different, you're in a different, in a different universe, maybe there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think after, I know I found for after three myself, not that I wanted more than four, that was definitely enough for me, but yeah, you've got so many kind of systems in place and you're already outnumbered that, yeah, that maybe four didn't feel as hard, but I, I definitely couldn't, can't see doubling my number. <laughs> I think that that would push me over the edge. Arlene, I think it is chicken math. Cause you know, like you get two or three chickens and you're like, wow, I have so many chickens, lots of chickens. And then you're like, oh, well, these chickens are real cute. And then I got, you know, a couple more chickens. And before you know it, you have a hundred of the damn things. And I feel like kids <laughs> are basically the same way. Like, you know, it seemed like a fun hobby at the time. And then before you know it, you got eight of them. <laughs> it's, <laughs> that's how it happens. You know, I don't know. I sometimes I wish that we had like 10 because my kids are a lot of fun and they're cute and and then I think about what dealing with two different personalities and two kids is like and what having 10 kids with 10 personalities would be like and oh it makes my head hurt just thinking about it so yeah I feel like sometimes the the physical care of kids maybe gets easier when you have more but I feel like the emotional care of kids gets more complicated especially as they get older because there's yeah there's so a lot of different Arlene, I gotta ask you yeah so when you get upset at your kids like or one of your one of one of your kids do you like do you ever and you're distracted or something do you ever like say all the other kids names and the dogs before you actually get to that kid's name oh to say yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> they are always mixed up and i mean we have intentionally four different first initials like the families that name all their kids with the same first you know like the dugger situation where it's all the same first initial like i would never be able to keep them straight then and i i knew that about myself because my daughter and my sister have the same first initial and their names are not that similar but whenever i've been around both of them at the same time i mix up their names for days so yeah even with different first initials i'm uh, always calling them the wrong name in your defense whether i'm Arlene. upset or not what was that yeah. I only have two and I call them by the wrong name, but I've noticed <laughs> yeah. that my kids frequently when they're distracted will either call one of us, you know, mommy or daddy the wrong one, or mm -hmm. when they get home from school, they will call me teacher because yeah. that's what they call everyone at school. And yes. So and I'm sure just... teachers get called mom or dad all the time too. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, next question. Have either of you honestly been able to re-listen to your own episodes? I find it so hard to listen to my own voice. Oh, I, I hear that too. And have you had to practice any techniques for style or enunciation or does it just come together? And what are your pro tips for dry throat or coughing fits during recording? Great question. I, I do listen to each of our episodes and Katie's the one who does all the editing, which is phenomenal because I don't know how to do that stuff. And so she is our editor. So I always, really look forward to listening to our episodes. One, because 
I'm interested interested to see if she cut things out or how things kind of came together. And also because I feel like in in the interview itself, I sometimes forget what I said or what other people said, or sometimes you're thinking ahead to the next question. And like, I really do try and listen to what everyone's saying, but there's also, you know, other thoughts in your brain all the time too. So yeah, I don't, I don't love listening to my own voice, but I'm getting used to it. And I kind of listen to the podcast almost like, oh, this is cool. This is a good podcast. And it's like, oh, that's me. <laughs> I sometimes forget that I'm actually listening to myself. And I have not practiced any techniques for style or enunciation. So I don't know if it is coming together or if, <laughs> I guess you guys can tell us whether we have any style or enunciation techniques that are, that are working because this is just how I talk. And we record on Zoom. So my only pro tip for dry throat or coughing is using the mute button and just pushing through it. I will say the best feeling I've had yet podcasting was I was, you know, I have podcasts playing pretty much 24-7 or audiobooks or something. And I was driving the other day and listening to this podcast and thinking about how interesting it was. And then I realized that it was our podcast, you know, because it just flips through uh. random episodes. And I was like, that's such a good feeling to feel like I'm connecting as a listener with our own content. I will say about listening to my own voice that I said something in a Facebook chat the other day about that I don't do TikToks because I hate the sound of my own voice. And someone pointed out that we do a podcast. It was like, yeah, I, I know. I still haven't gotten past something about having to see myself and listen to myself is it's too much. I just haven't gotten there yeah so we won't be put doing live episodes on putting them on youtube or anything maybe eventually but although if you're in our patreon we do we have been recording lately our weekly updates with just katie and i and putting them on the patreon page so if you want to see us talk and you know do all that stuff and see our faces at the same time you can and there's also lots of messing up because <laughs> that's where it happens and my pro tip for the dry throat and coughing is to always go pee before your episode and then bring a drink with you. You know, yeah. I, the going pee doesn't really help with the coughing, but it does help with the being able to record a whole episode without having to run out of the room. <laughs> I was wondering what the, the connection water. was. Well, you know, I mean, having kids can be hard on your pelvic floor. So. <laughs> true. True. Sad that the... You guys should do a like a a bloopers something like of your guests on a social media post or something like that. I think I'm sure you have had lots of different situations in your podcasts where maybe you edited out something that maybe wasn't so good to be on there or maybe you left it in and I just thought it'd be a funny thing to do. Maybe I have an episode about it or or put it on your social media. Yeah, that's a good idea. Can you recall any that are like kind of stand out to you that were pretty funny, like funny situations, funny answers from your guests? Mine isn't a guest one. Oh, and <laughs> someone's whippersnipping right outside my window. So this is perfect. Doing um, what, Arlene? Oh, what are they doing? Oh, I don't know what you call it. Whippersnipping. That's way better than what we call it. What do you call it? Yeah. <laughs> Weed whacking or string trimming? Okay, yeah, that. I like that. And the tool is called a whippersnipper. Yeah, me too. That's amazing. <laughs> so I will say 
we, Katie and I sat down to do our weekly update last week or two weeks ago, and we both started off and realized what we were going to say were things that we weren't ready to share publicly yet. So it was like, oh, no, I can't say that. <laughs> and then she went to start and she did the same thing. So it took us like three or four tries to actually get started on our update because we're like, mm, no, that's not for the public yet. No, I can't say that. So, I mean, we are trying to be authentic with you guys, but sometimes, you know, protecting other people's privacy infringes on what we want to say. I don't even remember what it was. That I was not going <laughs> to say. So. We can't talk about it. Yeah. You don't have any bloopers that you can remember, Katie? How many times did we record that first episode, Arlene? Oh, maybe four. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was rough. Everyone says in podcasting, you just have to start. So, I mean, we started. Yeah. And then it wasn't there we are and then so. we started again yeah i think the best part about podcasting versus like live radio is that you can just edit it out and i think it helps our guests be more comfortable too when we can say you know if you say something stupid we can cut it like it's not you know nobody will know until we get on our anniversary episode and talk about all the stupid <laughs> shit you've said yeah so. but really wendy most of the flub ups have been ours i would say that I can't really remember any of our guests saying anything that was like that we had to cut too much of. Yeah, it's usually us. Yeah. But that's fine. We can edit ourselves. It's usually me. I very rarely edit anything Arlene says. I edit out a lot of what I say. <laughs> because you're too hard on yourself. Or because otherwise <laughs> it's just me saying, I forgot what I was going to say a lot. Well, okay. Yeah, we can scrap those ones. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. So this question kind of goes along with that. Which part of podcasting is easier, harder, and more fun than you expected? All right. So I covered some of this. So I'll try and make this one a little shorter. Easier, I would say getting guests because I thought we would get a lot more no's. I mean, we have gotten no's, but a lot of people we ask have said yes, which is fantastic. Harder, I would say I've been struggling more with the social media part and the promotion and the marketing side, which we're looking into getting some, some help on. So we've got someone who's going to come and give us some support on that side of things. But, but trying to let people know what we're doing is a whole other side of the podcast that I hadn't really thought as much about and more fun. No, it's more fun than I expected, but I really like talking to Katie all the time. So that's pretty fun. Thanks. Arlene really does make this whole process a lot easier, which is really nice. And as far as harder, we've had, sometimes there's guests that aren't as fast to connect with on a deeper level, I think. And that's really hard because you know that if you can find the right way to connect with them, you'll have a really great conversation. But sometimes forging that connection can be difficult. And because we talk to a lot of folks where we have a really fast connection, I think when we don't have it, it's, you know, A, I want, I want a good interview and B, I want them to enjoy it. Like, I don't want them to be done and be like, oh my God, that was the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I sound like an idiot. These people are idiots, you know, like I don't want anybody to hate it. And the part that's been more fun, I think, is just when we get to connect with people. I'd say the other part that's harder is I'm learning to leave the, the podcasting social media groups because I'm realizing that 
our numbers look different than a lot of people's because there's a tremendous amount of podcasts out there that are about how to make money. And I think maybe if we promised people that they would make like insane amounts of money, if they listened to our podcast, probably we'd have more listeners, but we're a farming podcast. So you're screwed and you're never going to make any money anyway. Well, hopefully we can help you with something else, but see, and I lost my train of thought. So I'm just going to edit that out too. Someday you'll get an unedited episode and you'll see what you're really missing. So I got to ask, do you two, do you two talk outside of the podcast? like regularly and then do you do you ever meet do you meet like I know this has been a this is a one-year anniversary but like have you met in person prior to you discovering hey let's make a podcast together I like you I like you you know kind of thing yeah so we've only actually met in person once but we talk on you know through a messaging app daily multiple times a day usually if we missed a day earlier this week arlene it was really weird like i wanted to message you just to point out that you hadn't 24 hours all day, fast. and then i was like <laughs> yeah. that seems weird to just, like... i noticed though don't worry i noticed yeah so the one time we actually met i was going to dairy expo in wisconsin in madison with my husband and katie and i had connected on a online parenting group and it was for farmers and ranchers. So I'd sent a message to that group, seeing if anybody from the, the community, the online community was going to be at Expo and nobody was, but Carrie, but Kate, Katie said that she was not all that far from Madison. And she said, you can come to the farm or we can meet. So my husband was very entrenched in watching every single cow show the whole time we were there and I was not as interested in watching all of them. So we did a meetup halfway at a cheese shop in a little town in Wisconsin. So yeah, that's actually the only time we've ever met, which I think is about three, three and a half years ago or so. The boy child was just a, a little guy. And yeah, so that's actually our only in-person meeting ever. Although we, you know, are bouncing around ideas for actually seeing each other in person again someday. I have hopefully basically just invited my entire family to go visit Arlene next year. So we're working on it. Something about how she lives in Canada and Canada is apparently a much larger place than I really understood it to be, which I mean, makes sense because it's like the same size width wise as the U S is, but something about only having nine provinces makes it seem smaller. 10, 10, 10, Fuck, 10. 10 provinces and 13 and three territories. Okay. Well, anyway, Canada's. <laughs> I just don't want you to get your math wrong. Smaller. <clears throat> now I'm really no. wondering about the quality of my public. They're all education. like bigger than the, than the state of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, I'll, I'll be honest. I didn't realize the Midwest was as far from where I am either. Cause there was, I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but Katie asked the one time, how far is Thunder Bay from you? Which is a city, which is within my same province. Cause she was probably just looking at Google maps thinking, okay, like we could meet like halfway. And I was like, oh, it looks like about a 16 hour drive <laughs> from where I am. Oh so. my gosh. <laughs> as far as I can tell, everything is 16 hours from Arlene's house. Pretty much. Because isn't. <laughs> Prince oh, Edward wow. Island also 16 hours from your place? Uh, no, I think it's a bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like everything is 16 hours away. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, have you ever, have either of you imagined what your 
your re- reunion would look like? Like, are you going to embrace each other? Like, are you going <laughs> to like run at each other? You know, yeah, leap into each other's arms. I think it'll be one of those oh, yeah. like movie montage slow runs, but it'll actually just be Hugh and Jim, like <laughs> yeah. embracing manfully their. Uh... I'm I'm picturing Katie's kids arriving at my door and letting themselves in. Oh, they would and... raid your kitchen for snacks so fast. My kids have no no chill. Yeah, at all. Yeah, yep. and they'll probably get lost on the way. So we'll have to, we'll be like talking on the phone or something, getting her to the farm. But yeah, I'm a hugger. So I don't know if Katie is, but. Special occasions. But I think like once every <laughs> four years, occasions. I can probably be a hugger. All right. Yeah. I'll get yeah. one. Good luck getting a boy child to sit still on your lap now, though. <laughs> yeah, he was much smaller the last Yeah, time. he was what, six months old? He was a little tiny so. tater yeah. tot. Oh. It was so cute. Okay. He's anyway. a mover. That's true. And they do love their snacks. So they be prepared, Arlene. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay. So what what are some of your favorite podcasts to listen to when you're not making your own? And this listener asked, limit it to five. Actually, I added the limit to five because I know that Katie and I are both. Oh, you did. (laughs) Avid podcast listeners and that we would both put way too many on. So I'm going to say One Bad Mother because both because I like the podcast and that's actually the community through which Katie and I met. So that is a parenting podcast. Another one of my current favorites is Shag Married Annoyed which is two British comedians who are married to each other. And it's just like both rude and funny and hilarious all the time. It always makes me laugh. I'm a big fan of not like heavy content necessarily, but like really good conversations with people. So I like Terrible Thanks for Asking, which is about people going through hard stuff and Oh, it's so hard to narrow it down. Stop Podcasting Yourself, which is a Canadian comedy podcast. That's one of my favorites. And this is a bit of a confession, but I am a bachelor and bachelorette watcher. I don't know if Katie knows that about me. So I actually listen to several different bachelor content podcast uh i'm looking up the name of my favorite one i just listened to it this morning and now i'm embarrassed that i don't know the name of it um it is called you're gonna have to edit this it used to be called here to make friends and then they switched it anyway i will figure that out yeah it's a bachelor recap podcast and it's on the feminist side so they talk about the problematic parts of reality TV, but I still love it. Katie's looking at me weird. She didn't know I was a Bachelorette watcher. No, I did not. And uh, I'm still somebody else, the whippersnapping, the whippersnapping <laughs> is happening. Again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'll put mine on mute. I'll mute while you do yours. All right. So I just had to open my podcast library so I could go through. One of my favorites is How I Built This with Guy Raz. He talks to entrepreneurs who've started different businesses. So like he's talked to size to big business owner 
at this point and always really insightful interviews about how they got started. I also really like Home Cooking with Samin Nosrat, who's a chef and cookbook author. She pretty much got me through the pandemic. Her laugh is basically everything that is right in the world. She also has a Netflix show. Ologies with Allie Ward. She talks to people who study various things. So like she had an episode with someone who studies opossums for a living. She's had a watchmaker on and just all sorts of different things, but she's as nerdily enthusiastic about things as you can possibly be. And I love it because I love seeing folks embrace things they're passionate about. And the best of both worlds with Sarah Hart Unger, who we've had on the show, and Laura Vanderkam is about balancing career and family, which I really enjoy. And Let's see. I'm going through the whole list because there's a lot of them. Uh, oh, this is, it's tough to choose. I'm going to go with LeVar Burton reads because LeVar Burton. That's, that's it. That's all you need to know. I think that's five, right? I think so. I found the name. Love to see it. That's my bachelor, my favorite bachelor content. In case you start watching reality TV. I don't think Katie's going to, but that's okay. Did you all get into Shittown? Yes. Did I definitely you? listened to that one. Yeah. I don't think so. Oh, it's amazing. <clears throat> It'll keep you, if you have a very long drive, that will keep you entertained for many, many hours. I'm adding it right now. It's kind of an older one, isn't Arlene? Yeah, yeah. It's oh. like an oldie but goodie. I didn't realize that that was the one that is abbreviated as S-Town. Yes, I did listen to it. I'm apparently very out of the loop on these things. Well, it was a while ago. We can't remember all of them. I will say that the part that really got me about Ologies was she did a two-part special about bats and bat conservation. And at this point, I'll just listen to anything she does because that's the way to my heart. All right. I also really like Ologies with Ali Ward. It's a really good one. So thanks for bringing that one up. She's like my bucket list interview to have on this show. If anyone has oh, any connections, yeah. I don't, I mean, you know, something about how she's like got her own TV show or whatever. And like this big podcast and all this, I'm not quite sure how we're going to make that connection, but I'm determined. So I have long hours in the tractors because I, I, because of combining and planting and all of their drilling, all of her stuff. And, you know, you kind of get tired of listening to like, well, I do. I get tired of listening to farm podcasts, like, you know, and, and it sounds like you do too. You're, none of these really that you have all listed are really farm related. Right. So I think we're both feeling we're all on the same page here. But there's a podcast, I don't know if you like history, but there's a guy, his podcast is History on Fire. And he's so into, I mean, the way he talks about history and these stories, he gets so into it. And it really like enwraps you in, in these stories and it makes history fun. 
And I can't remember his name. I, he's, a, he's from Italy. He's Italian. So he speaks with this like Italian accent, which makes it even more engaging and interesting to listen to. So that's one, that's one of my favorites that I like to, when I have a lot of time in, the, in a cab. Looking it History. up right now. All right. I was also looking it up now. Sorry. <laughs> I also really like the sort of, you know, supernatural podcasts or true oh. crime, but I found that I primarily like, like historic true crime because a lot of the more current stuff feels very exploitative and gross. And I don't, I don't like that. I especially don't like the ones where they joke about it, but you know, the, the ones that are more historic cases feel more okay than, or ones where it's like embezzlement, Ponzi schemes, that sort of things. I will say too, that I have found a ton of kids podcasts that we have really enjoyed as a family because Sometimes it's hard for us to agree on what music we're going to listen to in the car. And sometimes that can lead to some conflict, but podcasts have been a good way for us to both learn stuff and to, to have something funny on in the background. Oh, Katie, a good one that your kids would probably be ready for now is called This Podcast Has Fleas. It was a short run, but it's like hosted by a dog and a cat and they are just so funny. Oh <laughs> and it's, it's great for adults too. Love to check it out. It's called This Podcast Has Fleas. Yeah. Okay. This we're just gonna do a just recommend podcast to each other for the next for the last part of this episode. Yeah. We should yeah, like we said, that's why I tried to limit it to five. But, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about this one? All right, we're gonna move on. Okay. Moving on. Yes. What is the most surprising thing you learned about the other? And I'd like to add to that, what is one surprising thing about yourself you'd want your listeners to know about you or not know about you? But now I've put you on the spot. The most surprising thing I've learned about Katie, I think I'm constantly surprised and she's going to try and turn this around into a negative, but I genuinely see it as the most positive thing that I never know you know, we have kind of a script, but I never know what kind of question she's going to come out with. And yet it's always something that either breaks the ice with a guest or makes them feel more comfortable or is something that I never would have thought of. But I just love how her her brain works and the way that she uh, that the way she thinks. And that's always you mean surprising. like our pickles and NASCAR discussion with Katie Haynes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there was a lot of talk about pickles and NASCAR and it was yeah. good. A surprising thing about myself. This one is hard because I don't think I'm all that surprising, I guess. The one thing, and I maybe have said it before, I can't remember if I have, but I mean, we've got a lot of episodes in, so pe people probably don't remember. The one thing that's probably a bit surprising is that when I grew up, I swore I would not be a farmer, that I had no interest in being part of agriculture, that I wanted to do anything but I was never going to marry a farmer for sure. And then, yeah, that didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to. So I guess that's kind of surprising, but this is where I was supposed to be, I think. I wish you could see Katie's face right now as she were answering that. I think <laughs> the most surprising thing I've learned about Arlene, and I don't know that it was that much of a surprise to me, 
but I feel like it should be pointed out to our listeners besides the whole bachelor bachelorette situation which I'm actually (laughs) not that surprised by I guess is how lucky you would be to have Arlene by your side if you needed someone to kick your ass and cheer you on at the same time I think Arlene may have a a second career in the future is like some sort of home visitor post-birth or like I would love that rehab or something like I feel like Arlene would have been a great rehab therapist because she's got a very good balance of ass kicking and encouraging hand holding and I think that anyone who is in need of that would be very lucky oh they have her around oh I feel a hug coming on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get at least one, Wendy. There you go. I know. I think one thing that people might find surprising about me is that I, I still frequently am, but much less than I used to be, dealt with a lot of self-doubt and putting myself down and not standing up for myself and however else you want to put that. And honestly, mostly the process of doing fertility treatments and then having two kids and then having a cancer diagnosis and all of that back to back pretty much destroyed that for me. You get real good at advocating for yourself real quick in situations like that. And um, I'm really proud of that about myself. And Arlene, I don't think what you said about how my brain works is a negative at all. I'm trying to frame it as a good. an origin story about how I ended up here instead of a, a negative thing. So. Well, that's really great. Hallelujah for that. That's I both admire both of you so much, and I just I really enjoy your podcasts, and I just think the world you both. And it's been really great knowing, getting to know you, Arlene, through through the podcast. Katie, I've had have a little history with. But <laughs> that sounds like we were like in a fight club together or something. <laughs> <laughs> we have a history. Well, when I eventually make it and to Katie, Iowa, I'll definitely be stopping by, Wendy. Oh yeah, or or we'll meet you over. We're not sixteen hours away from you know Katie, so <laughs> we no. can we can make the drive. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, next up, what skills have you learned about learned from farming have helped you in the rest of your life? I will say that I am someone who likes predictability for sure. I like to know what's happening when and I like to work on a schedule and farming has definitely helped me realize that I can't control everything. And I think especially dairy farming is one of those things that is both predictable and unpredictable, which is kind of helpful. I mean, we know that cows like to be on a routine and our cows are, are very routined and on a consistent schedule, but we also have to be ready to deal with the unexpected at the same time. So I think that's my, my short answer for that one, that being flexible is, is hard for me, but that farming definitely helps me remember that I have to, I have to be flexible in order to survive and thrive. For me, I think it's really good practice to pay attention to small details and you know especially farming livestock they vary one thing we hear is you know you never have sick sheep you have healthy sheep and you have dead sheep and that's kind of it because they don't tend to 
make it obvious that they're sick. And so being mindful of small changes in your animals or the weather, whatever that can clue you into to problems or good things that are happening. There's just a lot of small details to, to pay attention to. And the importance of record keeping, whether we actually do it or not. So that's something we have learned. Would you say that the skill of thinking ahead is intrinsic or something that can be learned? Because that's something that as a farmer, you both pointed it out, you know, you also have to be able to think ahead. And I think it can be learned. I mean, I think any, any quality that you, you know, that you put effort into. And I think the, the seasonality, both in terms of, of crops and, you know, like gestational cycles of animals and all that kind of stuff kind of forces you into thinking ahead, right? If you want to be involved in agriculture, then you're going to have to think about what's happening in nine months, what's going to happen in the fall, how, you know, like what, what comes next. So, so if you, if you're going to be successful or if you're going to, to make this work, whether, you know, not, not success financially necessarily, but if this is something you want to do, then I think it, it kind of is, is forced upon you. And I think that over time, that that thinking ahead kind of goes along with being in this industry. What were you going to say, Katie? I don't remember. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> no, for me, a lot of it has been having a good partner because with my own, the way my brain works, specific forward thinking is not a strength for me. But I tend to be a more creative problem solver and to have more flexibility in how I think about things and possibilities that I can consider. And so having someone that I balance out well and that balances me out well has been tremendously important. So there's that. But I do think it's definitely a skill that can be strengthened to look ahead and plan and think things through. But I think it's also good for people who are very, this is how we've always done it, to work with folks who are less like that, because I think you can also get really stuck in, but this is how we've always done it. So. Yeah, I agree. And this, this, this question kind of goes into this next question, that, but I have a question with what you just said, Katie, you know, with your partners and having a, having a partner, can we just touch on that for a, a real quick second is how do your partners balance you in, in your farm life and, and, or maybe they don't balance you, but, you know, working together, that's a whole, that could be a whole podcast to itself. Maybe you, you <laughs> working with your farm partner but could you touch on that I think Katie brought up a good point is having that balance that balance that other person balance you like for me Johnny is my comic relief you know I can get a little too into the weeds sometimes and and sometimes I can think too far ahead and and you know he 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 has he's quite the opposite of me so what what about Jim and Hugh 
Yeah, I for think, me. Oh, oh sorry. I, I would. Arlene. Okay. I. Go. <laughs> Go, go, go. I think one thing I've really struggled with is that we balance each other really well working together. But now that we also have kids and a family, it's more trying to balance the farm and the family. And that's been a really hard transition. But I think, I honestly, I don't know how people farm by themselves. I mean, maybe they're more emotionally balanced than I am. I wouldn't be successful by myself because I need someone else to balance me out like that. But I, it's so much, I don't know. Go ahead, Arlene. I'm done. <laughs> I'm either going to forget what well, I was going to say or start you. crying. You'll, you'll so. bring it back around. Katie. Yeah. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> the relationship side of stuff is, is complicated, right? So I will say that before we had kids, we weren't farming together. Uh, on paper, I was a co-owner, but I was working full-time in the city and commuting two hours a day. And so until we had children, we had separate lives. You know, we were married and living together, obviously, but, but I was not on a daily capacity, was not involved in the farm because I was working long days. And then I would get home and we'd hang out in the evening. And that was maybe on weekends I might help here and there, but for the most part, I was working shifts and, and we weren't farming together. And then when we had kids, I was not, because the farm wasn't my, my job, we didn't try to incorporate me into the farm at that point either. I was on maternity leave and then we had three kids in, in a few, few years. And so I was, functionally a stay-at-home parent and he was farming and we had employees and my father-in-law was still actively farming. And so I was not actually farming more than in, you know, an occasional capacity. So it wasn't like we were working together. So in a lot of ways, the last couple of years, as I've started to become more involved, as our kids have gotten older, we've kind of maintained some of those roles in terms of, I manage the house and the kids to the most, for the most part, you know, the emotional labor of, of kids and family life and house life and all of those things are my department. And, you know, he kind of supports me <laughs> in that, you know, and often it's, can you do this or can you do that? And on the farm side, that's him, you know, like he's the one doing the emotional labor and the, the scheduling and the the finances. Like he he does all the book work still at this point. He's making management decisions and cropping decisions, and he has his own support team in terms of you know vet nutritionist, all those types of people on the farm side. So I'm kind of an employee, or is kind of how I see my role. And at this point, I'm okay with it because I feel like I still have a lot of brain capacity taken up with the other side of our life with the home and kids side and that i i think he would probably recognize this too i i have limits to how much i want to take on in terms of the farm and that works for me and it's not my like i said i never wanted to farm as a kid not that i don't enjoy it but it's it's not my passion and you know like i don't walk into the barn and know every cow or know their genetics or or necessarily know you know, what's happening beyond kind of what my role is on a day-to-day -day basis. And that works for us. And sometimes I have a bit of 
I don't know. I'm not going to say guilt, you know, a bit of imposter syndrome probably in terms of saying that I'm a farmer when I feel like I'm not a farmer in the sense of making decisions and being, being a manager, but you know, it takes, takes everybody to make things work. Right. So that's kind of where we are and that's how we balance each other out in this stage of life. And that might look different in five years or 10 years, but that's how it is now. I feel like for me, I really miss being more active in the farm part of things. So I find myself, especially when we first had kids, really resenting that everybody else got to go out and farm. And I was just in the house with the baby, with the screaming baby who, you know, I mean, now that they can talk and they play and they're fun, it's awesome. But newborns are pretty lame, really. Katie so and I disagree I, on this one, but that's okay. I'm going to let you yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Found, I find myself really resentful of not being more active in the day-to-day farm operations, but then when I am asked to participate or asked for my opinion, I find myself really resentful that, like, I work full-time. We have two little kids. Where the fuck am I going to get the time to do one more thing? And so it's like, I'm mad because I'm not being included, and then I'm mad because they're trying to include me, and, like, remembering that I can't I mean I can be mad about both but I can't take it out on anyone else that I'm mad about both because it feels very much like I'm also at the point in life where if I see everybody else going out and having fun or like going on vacation or whatever I'm like why don't I ever get to do things like that and then when I am asked to actually like go on vacation or go out to dinner or whatever I'm like it's just one more thing I'll be out past my bedtime. I have to pack. This is lame. I have to get a babysitter. Nothing is ever good enough. And like, it is good enough, but it's just one more thing. And then you get resentful that you're resentful. And then it just, yeah, this is why I'm going to be in therapy until I die. Okay. Let's just face it. (laughs) You know, I can overcomplicate anything if I try. There. So this, so that question kind of segues into one that was written by someone anonymous. They ask, how did the host end up with such amazingly smart, good looking, funny, witty, and modest husbands? And the funny part about this question is I could see it coming from either one of our husbands. I know which one submitted it, but I think either if the other had thought about it first, they would have submitted the same question. So we'll leave that as anonymous and we'll just say that they are very lucky people. And yeah, I don't know how they ended up with us either. So we're lucky too, Jim and Hugh. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. Have Have you told your your meeting stories on your podcast, how you met your husbands. Can you sum it up in a few minutes? I think on our Valentine's episode, we, we kind of touched on it. Hugh and I met at university. I wasn't yet a student. Like the first time we met, I was visiting my sister and we were at a junior farmer meeting. So we didn't start dating for a couple of years. We were friends first, but yeah, junior farmers, Association of Ontario, matchmaking since who knows when, whenever they started. My parents actually <laughs> met, my parents met through junior farmers too. So that's kind of a. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. The family. We, I had actually had a profile on farmers only years and years ago, and it just kept trying to set me up with people I already knew. And I was like, well, this is awkward. You know, like it's, 
It's only going to match. <laughs> you know, if I wanted to date these people, I would already be dating them. Thanks. And I had let it lapse for like five or six years, probably. And I was driving home from work one night and I just had this like had had to go on there and see who was on there. Like I've never had never experienced it until that point that sort of like had to do it. Um, and I was thinking about it this morning that one time I had that feeling and I ended up with a husband the other two times were before we had both kids anyway. So logged on, saw this guy messaged him. He had actually logged on that night to delete his account. He had just told his parents that he was never getting married. He was never having kids. They were just going to have to get over it. He was going to be a bachelor farmer forever. We went on our first date two days later. I moved in, I think three weeks later. We got engaged three months to the day after our first date, and that was 10 years ago. So <laughs> that's how that works. Katie and Jim do not mess around once no. they make a decision. No. <laughs> Jim has always just been my person. I never had any butterflies when I met him. The first time I met him felt like, you know, somebody I hadn't seen in a long time, but somebody I'd known my whole life. And honestly, I knew we were going to get married probably by our second date, which was the day after our first date. Jim says it took him a little longer because I think he might have had to wait until the third date, which was two days after our first date. You know, our first date, he said, oh, I'll call you later in the week. Maybe we can go out next week or something. And I think we went out six nights out of seven. And yeah, so that's how that went. So don't ignore those feelings unless you have them a lot. If you have them all the time, probably ignore them. But <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's something else. Maybe you've got digestive issues or something. Yeah. Maybe use some more discernment if it's a frequent feeling, but if it's not, maybe you should do it. I love how the universe speaks in different ways. That's definitely something so synergistic right there. That's a great story. All right. So if you could go back and give a younger version of yourself some helpful advice for how to navigate life, what advice would you give? That's a hard one because these questions are getting deep. So yeah, yeah, we're getting into the deep stuff. I go back and forth on whether I want to give myself advice to change what I have done in the past, or you know, I've ended up where I think I wanted to be and should be. So do, yeah, do I? I don't want to change necessarily, but I guess going back to what we talked about in terms of looking forward and planning for the future, I think the younger version of me could have lightened up a little and not try to project so far into the future and maybe just think a little bit more in the moment. So I would tell her to chill out a bit and yeah, you, I mean, it's good to think things through, but sometimes you can just live in the moment. So I probably wouldn't listen to the advice because I'm old and I wouldn't think that I had anything to contribute, but that's what I would tell the younger Arlene. I wish I hadn't been so afraid of everything. I was really timid in my younger days. I'm still fairly cautious about a lot of things. That's hard for me to uh, picture. I know. Right. Also to save more money. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, same Arlene. If I hadn't done the things I did, would I have ended up where I am? Because I am where I'm supposed to be. So maybe it's just as well. But you'd have more money. Yeah. That wouldn't hurt. That'd be true. Yeah. 
Yeah, I this the stories just continue to unfold here. And I guess I think I could continue to be asking all these different segments of your answers into questions, but I don't want to be here for another two hours probably and ask you more questions. But these you've given me some really juicy tidbits here to work with, but I have to refrain myself from from <laughs> making this a really long podcast. So so this is the final question. And then you and Arlene are going to ask each other some questions. So, or Katie and Arlene are going to ask each other questions. But this is the last one from a listener is what makes you proud of yourself this year? I love these. I'm going to say pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. I mean, even just the original agreeing to do a podcast was, was a, a push for me. And trying to connect with people and ask people to do things for me and ask people to talk to me. And, you know, I get, I get nervous before every single interview, but pushing beyond that is what has, has really brought the, the best parts of, of what's gone on in this past year. And it has really been the biggest blessing in my life this past year. Well, I, sh- I mean, besides my kids and my husband, you know what I mean? So yeah, I will say just pushing myself and, and learning that being outside of my comfort zone can actually bring a lot of good. I've learned a lot and done a lot of work this year about understanding how my brain works and being able to explain that to other people and giving myself the grace and the, the space and the time I need to do things in ways that work for me. And I'm really proud of that because it takes a lot to say, you know, this is what I need. This is how I need you to help me. This is what I'm good at, you know, and to really embrace that. And it's such a good feeling. I mean, not only because things are easier, but just to be modeling that for my kids and for other people that you can just ask for what you need and expect that you will get it because you were a worthwhile person simply because you exist and not because of what you can contribute or do for other people or whatever else you know there is no qualification for deserving help and that's worth a lot and i'm proud that i pushed arlene out of her comfort zone (laughs) (laughs) you know you're welcome arlene I'm also going to say I'm proud of us, Katie, because I feel like we have not always intentionally, but I feel like we've really figured out how to work together and how to let each other do the things that we're comfortable with and what our strengths are and that we really do balance each other out, which I mean, obviously a year ago, we wouldn't have known that, but I think we found ways to both be kind to each other and to to really play off of each other's strengths and, and, and weaknesses and that, that, I mean, we all have them, right? So to learn how to work together well and not let it become a problem. We've let it become part of our dynamic. And I appreciate that you appreciate me just asking random questions, so. <laughs> I do, it's fun. I think many people would find that really irritating. <laughs> not at all. I just make the scripts because that's one of my strengths. No, I'm glad you do because I would not be able to do this otherwise. 
I have to have a place to start from. Yeah. So Wendy, before we move on to our questions for each other, have you come up with any others that you want to add for us? No, I've I've added them along the way. So I, I do have several others that maybe I might take off off podcast, but you know, another sure. time. Yeah, on the front porch sometime. <laughs> All right, yeah. so I've got a couple of questions for you, Katie. This one is one that I feel like every time we record, I'm like, what, she did that? So my question is how list from like earliest to now, all of the different jobs that you've worked in your life? Because even today I heard of one that I didn't know that you had done before, like radio. Okay, so lists, list your occupations if you can that remember That wasn't a job though, that was like- Okay, well, volunteer, whatever. For, oh God. Do you tell, have tell a couple me, hours here already? Tell, tell like, me the things that you've done. In no particular order. Okay. 20 some years of food service restaurant work, all back of house. So cooking, hand pollinating corn, detasseling corn, once dressed up in a seven foot tall corn costume. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew we were going to come up with stuff I hadn't heard yet. College radio, a lot of retail customer service shit. I volunteered for a therapeutic recreation program, worked on several different farms, cooked saltwater taffy for the state fair on the road for like four or five years. I don't even remember. I don't know that there's really- We got to come back to that one sometime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll loop back to saltwater taffy later. No, and then your current job. And now I work for a company that's owned by Microsoft. So yeah. yeah. Can you tell us you went a from little salt bit? Water, making saltwater taffy <laughs> to working for Microsoft? No, I went oh from saltwater taffy to, oh, a greenhouse. With taffy to a restaurant to a greenhouse to milking cows to baking full time to Microsoft. Can so, you tell us a little bit about what that job amazing. is? Or is that secure knowledge? Like, do you, are you allowed to say what you actually do? Yes. I, uh, I work for a company called GitHub, which is an online software development platform that allows people to work collaboratively on building open source software. So basically anything that you use that has software, your cell phone, your computer, like basically anything has at least some of that code was developed on GitHub by different users. My job is keeping keeping the space safe for actual customers doing actual customer software development things. So we get rid of spammers and scammers and bots and prostitute, you know, people advertising for prostitutes and kids who are underage because there are federal laws about how old you have to be. So basically we- You're like, weeding out all the, the scams. Yeah, we're stuff. like bouncers for- software development online bouncers all the I like shit it. out yeah and whenever i get one of those weird messages i will just screen capture it and send it to katie be like is this a scam yeah <laughs> she'll say yes and then, you know, if you're questioning more, it's more than happy to, <laughs> to folks yeah uh, i love it i love my job my my actual job can occasionally be a bit tedious because it's a lot of going through customer accounts mm-hmm but I love That's why you can listen to so many podcasts. Yeah, yeah. I love the company I work for. My schedule's super flexible, which is awesome. I love the folks I work with. It's really a pretty ideal job, especially with farming and kids. So. Very cool. Well, I learned something new. 
See? And then my next question is a parenting question. What stage, parenting stage, will you not miss when your kids get older? Two things. Them being sticky all the time. <laughs> Everything them coming near being sticky. And them wanting to be carried everywhere. Because there's two of them. And so the minute, and because they're close in age, the minute one gets carried, the other one wants carried. And so I either make twice as many trips or I have screaming children because they're getting, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're at about a hundred. Yeah. They're at about a hundred pounds combined now. So that's a lot to actually carry, especially if you need like open doors or anything. Mm -hmm. So that just made me thing. think I can't remember the last time I carried one of my kids. Oh gosh. All right, I know. I feel on. like I should write it in the calendar every time. <laughs> or something. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in parenting older kids? I, I don't say this to take credit for my children because children are their own people and they do their own things, but they're turning into really kind, thoughtful, creative people. And I'm really excited about how that will develop. And I'm sure they won't develop any more irritating habits or oh, definitely not. unlikable, less likable things, whatever. So I'm sure life will just get easier and easier from here on out. Absolutely. Arlene, what would you be doing if you hadn't done the whole farm husband kids thing? Ooh, yeah, that is a hard one. I do feel like you said earlier about being in some kind of caregiving role as a career. I do feel like there would have been, there's something about caring for people, whether that's people who are older or postpartum or, you know, I don't necessarily know about nursing necessarily in terms of like the medical side of thing, but I think like the, the physical care of other humans is something that I, that I would be good at. So I could see myself doing something in that vein. I would probably do it, be doing a whole lot more traveling. I mean, it's still on my list of things I would like to do, but it's definitely more challenging with a farm and four kids and all that kind of stuff and you know pandemics too so yeah lots of travel maybe some cats yeah and some kind of caregiving role sounds pretty wild yeah um, yeah so what's and the you're, you're caregiving probably i don't know how many dairy cows you have but you carry if you think about all the animals on your farm and your kids and all the critters yeah and your husband <laughs> Like, yeah, that's a lot of caregiving. Yeah, I'm doing a lot of that already. So it would ju I'd just be getting paid for it. Yep. <laughs> Imagine yep. that. So Arlene, what's the most ridiculous thing besides the podcast that you've right. done in the last decade? It's not super ridiculous, but for me, it felt like a big move that I went to Australia with a few friends for my 40th birthday. And that felt like after more than a decade of of parenting that that felt like a huge leap to actually go away from my family with friends for more than a week and and do something that was purely for me felt like not ridiculous i mean it was it was necessary and it was it was great but it was it was probably out of my usual realm of things that i would prioritize and it was fabulous. So that was both ridiculous and great. All right. So 
Wendy, when we interviewed you and Johnny, we were still trying out new things. So we ask you a different final question than we use now. If you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And categories can be real or made up. So this was a this is a good question. But to be honest about something about myself, I'm pretty mediocre at everything. <laughs> I've I, That's I total bullshit try my hand. for our listeners. Total bullshit. <laughs> no. I I can try my hand at everything, but just because I'm curious about a ton of different things, but I'm not that interested in being the best in anything. And I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. Maybe it's something that I'm teaching my, my own kid. Like you don't have to be the best at everything. You know, you don't, it's, it's okay to be curious and to like try all sorts of things, you know, to figure, to figure things out. But I guess after going, I was, I used to be a 4-H'er at one at one time and I, I actually paid for my very first year of college with all my 4-H money that I earned from the animals that I showed through, throughout the years. That doesn't sound very um, mediocre. <laughs> well, it was it was an accomplishment. I, that was an accomplishment. But to say that I'm the, you know, I, I don't think that I could dominate a a category at a county fair. But as an adult now and as a farmer, I and a marketer, I guess, I become kind of bougie about food and flavor. And so I'd say that my category that I might, you know, win a blue, maybe a purple ribbon would be to grow and raise a really good meat pig. I should say a meat lamb also. It's something that doesn't exist yet at county fairs. I wish that it would, you know, it's all about like how they look but not how they taste. And so I think that I probably, there's just a real disconnect there a little bit. I definitely wouldn't eat those show animals that I see at the fair. (laughs) I'd be a little afraid, but you know, you are what your food eats. We are what our food eats. And so I see a strong connection there. And so we really make and grow and raise pretty delicious pork and pretty delicious lamb. And I'm actually, we just harvested our very first grass fed, hundred percent grass fed steer. I am not a cattle person. I never grew up raising cattle. His name was Harold. He was a, he was a Hereford Dexter cross. And I have to say, (laughs) I have to say some myself, Harold is delicious and grass fed beef, you know, you know, you both know this. It's an art. It's a craft to learn how to really make a, a, a good grass-fed animal taste taste good and have flavor and texture and everything. And I learned from a lot of different people how to how to how to do that. And I was just was really nervous and scared because that's two years, 24 months into an animal. And I've gotten rave reviews from our buyers just. Harold's delicious, you know, and they actually don't mind him calling him Harold. It's, it's actually really good, like, you know, ode to his life and his life on this farm. So that is a category that I think I might be able to win is, is on the flavor side of meat. How about yeah. you? Have you that answered sounds- this question before? We have, but I think now that I know about Katie's saltwater taffy experience, that she's definitely going <laughs> to do well on that one. 
So I think we'll go ahead into our cussing and discussing segment for the week. This is something we've done on just about every single episode, and yet we seem to always have something to cuss and discuss. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe, where you can leave your cussing and discussing entries for us, and we can play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash language and leave us a voice memo there, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com, and we can read it out for you. So Katie, what have you got to cuss and discuss? on the first anniversary of our show. So Arlene, one of my things I never thought I would do is to live on the same farm property as my in-laws. And they are delightful people, they really are. But one of the things we don't talk about on a family farm where there's like multiple generations of folks all working together, but only, you know, that we're living on the same property is where everyone is coming and going from is how much traffic there is and how many unexpected people show up because they're here to see my father-in-law or they're here to, you know, to drop some, whatever. And as a country raised introvert, this constant flow of people that I'm not expecting just makes me crazy. I feel like I have to hide from these people. I hear that. And it just, and I mean, I can't be like, I know you work here, but please don't ever come here. Please just find a way to like work from here without being here. Don't let me ever know that you are here because that is rude and not possible. But there's always people here and I don't like it. <laughs> we live and in the country for a reason, right? Yeah. Alone. I don't live in the country to have people around. Okay. And and I know this is our own damn fault because we gave him permission and whatever. We have a neighbor and a friend who both hunt our property and they both have game cameras out, which is totally fine. It has actually been helpful in a number of situations. But also, I don't live in the country to not be able to pick my nose in my own yard. That's all I'm saying. I, you know, I feel like if you're going to put cameras out or show up in my yard, you're going to see what you're going to see and that's on you. Anyway, I've now... <laughs> overshared and really sound like a weirdo so wendy what do you have to cuss and discuss this week so i have the same exact thing that you just said actually katie the the whole drive-in unexpected drive-in experiences are have been on my mind lately especially with summer and it being close you know it's the summer near the summer solstice now we're in these really long days so people just feel it's daylight at 5 30 in the morning they feel like they could just drive in the yard at 5.30 in the morning or 6 a.m. and knock on your door. And because we're all dairy, dairy people, right? I mean, that all farmers wake up at five in the morning. Not I, but, you know, that is, it's either that or a phone call at, at five or 5.30 now that the daylight is, is longer. So I, I have a, I have a thing with that. I think I'm on, when I was on your show, on your podcast, I talked about the the whole yoga mat, the yoga sales, seed sales thing that, that was a, <laughs> that was like a wake up thing that, oh yeah, people do really just drive in. And you know, I, I just think in this day and age though, like with, with our technology that we have, that we can now text people, you know, and give them a heads up that, that the old fashioned way of like, a phone call, but they don't have an answering machine. And so they just drive in. Like I could see that as like a, that's something you, you just did, but 
today, there's just so many options of how to get in touch with someone to let them know that they're going to stop by that it's just kind of unacceptable if someone drives in at 5 a.m. So and I, I feel like my grandma's generation, you know, like they closed all the curtains at night and then when they were ready to receive people in the morning, they'd open them back up. But like I work from home. Am I supposed to just sit here with all the curtains closed all day? Because like I'm working. I am <laughs> on the clock for somebody else. If you want me to pay my electric bill and keep feeding my children, I have to work like that's how this functions and so just because my car is in the yard does not mean i'm available i am working you know but it seems really shitty to say that to people too maybe we need to put signs on the back doors katie like like we we work from home <laughs> please call or text or something like that yeah. well um, we something actually really on fire we actually have issued signs. I mean, it, for us, it's a biosecurity, but we have a sign on the barn door that has the phone number that says like, you know, do not enter, call this person first. So, I mean, I guess your situations are a little bit different, but ours are part of our, you know, like proaction, you know, like the, our quality assurance program actually includes, you know, signage that says like don't just walk in now it's for the barn but i mean i could definitely fashion one for the house at least the way our farm is kind of situated it's people tend to go to the barn until it's hunting season people don't really come to the house <laughs> and then i hear what you're saying because it's like every other person like you happen to have a farm can i hunt here and then i just have to keep saying here's the this is the phone number for the guy who has hunting rights to our property it's not me so talk to him I think that's the other thing is that we get folks who stop here looking for my father-in-law and my in-laws haven't lived in this house in almost 10 years. They live across right. the road. People know this, yeah. but they will drive past the sheds and pat, you know, past my in-law's house, past all the outbuildings, past my father-in-law's truck, probably actually past my father-in-law to come to the door to ask where he is. I'm like, so you know where he lives, you have his cell phone number, you know what his truck looks like. Why are you at my back door asking me where he is? Like, yeah. this is not my department. Solve your own problems. Anyway, Arlene, what I have you one like more. To... Oh. I have one more thing to discuss and discuss. Just Do it. go for it. This is this is recent because it's 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 like the time where grasses are growing, pastures are growing, people are haying. And so Arlene around here, like. I don't know about in Canada, but people love to hay here. They hay even if they don't even have livestock. They just want to have everything cut and look nice and everything should just be totally clean and nothing out of order. So we have, our farm is full of pasture right now. And because we do a lot of grazing, we do rotational grazing. So we don't just let the animals out and you know, they're all spread out everywhere, eating what it is that they want. We rotationally graze. So we have areas of our pasture that are really tall and then areas of our pasture that are, that are shorter. And so I think people drive and we're on a highway, a state highway. And so people drive by, they must, they must pull their hair out or go crazy. Like I can't not say something, you know? And so they drive in the yard, some drive in the yard, some will call, but some drive in the yard. Yeah, hey, I see you. I've got a lot of forage out there. You know, I've got a, I've got a lot of cows that can help you take care of that. You know, 
like, like I don't have a plan. Like I, I just right. am yeah. openly just want forage out there to just, I don't know, like, I think you're just for leaving a picture. It. Or yeah. I'm just leaving it. Yeah. It's just, Oh, it's pretty, you know, but which would also be your really right kinda... as a property owner. <laughs> right. <laughs> Even if, exactly, even if you exactly. didn't have a plan, that's, it's still your land. And if that's what you wanted to do with it, you could. Exactly. And I think many of them know who I am, you know, and so maybe it's because, uh, I don't know, I'm a woman and I don't really know what I'm doing or talking about or thinking about, you know, but I, there is, I, there is a plan and there is a reason stockpile grazing. There's, I mean, do people do that? I mean, this is not the year to stockpile graze, but I'm talking about, or not the time of the year, but like in August, when we are stockpile grazing, you know, people want to get that fourth and fifth cutting of, of, of hay, you know, and, and people don't think about, oh, you've got animals, you've got forage, they can get it themselves, you know, instead of having to hay everything and feed it to them and using all that fossil fuels to do all, to, to do that. So uh, that is kind of on my mind this week because it's been hot and the grasses are seeding and they're, the pastures don't look, you know, beautiful. And I don't hay everything. I actually don't hay until August in, in this, in these pastures. So it's just, uh, I think it's, it's it annoys others, but it annoys me more that people just think they can drive in and say, Hey, I can take care of that for you. So. <laughs> right. Like you don't know what you're doing. Thanks so much like for your unsolicited <laughs> advice. So how about you, Arlene? Yeah. Oh, so mine is very short this week. And it came up because at the time we're recording, we recently had done our episode with the Rural Housewives. And I was listening to the rest of you easily use the word y'all, which I love because it's gender neutral and, you know, like encompasses a lot of different people and you can use it. But as a Canadian, I just, it doesn't sound right. And I feel like I would be like a big faker if I tried to use the word y'all. So I'm not going to use it, which sucks, but I'm just saying it's a cool word. So y'all can keep using it, but it sounds so weird coming out of my mouth. I think it sounds cute from you, Arlene, and nobody in Northern <laughs> Iowa uses it either. Okay. I'm not, so it's not entirely you're, you're the sure. exception. Yeah. I don't know how I picked it up. But yeah, I use it a lot because it is inclusive and, yeah. you know, it's just better. Yeah, so I think word. we should really bring it back. All right. I'll, I'll practice whatever. then. All right. Okay. So I want to thank you so much, Wendy, for joining us here today and celebrating our first anniversary with us. I wish we could actually be together in real life we could so we could have some cake or champagne or both and get for into real? all the yeah. all the conversations and all the podcasts so thank you so much for joining us again and for facilitating our discussion here today yeah wendy thank you for coming back on with us it's yeah. nice to not just have to ask each other questions <laughs> this has been so fun and i just love both your personalities you guys do balance each other so well and johnny and i are such a fan of, of your podcast. So please keep it up. We just love this Barnyard Language podcast. And obviously your listeners love you too. So kudos to both of you. And, and thanks so much for having, having me interview you. It's been a lot of fun today.
Thank you for joining us today on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. Go to www.patreon.com backslash Barnyard Language to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making the show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter, we are Barnyard Pod. If you'd like to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We're always in search of future guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.